0: Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store or Leanscape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLbean.com. By Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com.
1: Good
2: morning. Welcome to our show, number 674. Those of us who call ourselves birders or bird watchers or nature lovers or conservationists usually agree on what we think is good and not so good for birds and for our planet. But it's not always the case. Sometimes we part ways, as for example, when the topic is... wind turbines. Yes, they help us move away from fossil fuels and contribute to cleaner air. But bird-friendly? Not so much. It's believed that wind turbines kill hundreds of thousands of birds every year, right here in the U.S. and many more around the world. So how to resolve this conflict? Well, maybe this will help. Researchers at Cornell University Lab of Ornithology have figured out what could prove to be a simple way to protect birds from wind turbines using the sort of signatures of birds that are visible in raw weather radar data to generate bird maps and live migration forecasts to alert wind farm operators to the presence of birds at peak times. So the researchers are hoping that the wind farm operators will heed the forecasts and maps and stop or slow their wind turbines temporarily when large numbers of birds are flying through the area. We'll be talking more about this with folks from the Cornell Lab in an upcoming Talking Birds show. On last week's show, which happened to be airing live on Earth Day, our guest was Earth Day Network President Kathleen Rogers we talked with Kathleen about this year's main Earth Day focus, end plastic pollution. It's an enormous problem with huge swirls of plastic three times the size of France, polluting our oceans, killing birds and marine mammals, and threatening life on our planet. Human life included, of course. Kathleen Rogers expressed some optimism that we can solve the problem. Uh, She cited, in part the many kinds of technology that are being employed as a way if not to stem the flow of plastics into the ocean at least to try to clean up what's already there and here's one of the newest technologies that's out there that may help contribute to that optimism it's a Dutch nonprofit known as the Ocean Cleanup pretty ambitious name they are moving forward with a plan to attack those huge gyres of plastic using a fleet of what it calls floating screens, essentially huge floating nets designed to snare debris as small as one centimeter in diameter. The nets are supported by pontoons and driven by winds and current, and they would store the plastic debris until big ships come by to collect it. The group so far has raised about $35 million for the project, and they envision building and deploying up to 60 of these screens within the next few years. It's now completing construction on the first one, with plans to try it out from their base in San Francisco Bay later this month. It's unclear so far as to how well the plan will work, and if we don't stop dumping plastic into the oceans, it may not matter if it does work. But as the group's chief operating officer says... Prevention is key, but the pollution is already out there, and we believe we need to clean it up. All right, let's hit the road. I
1: want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride my bike. I want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride it where I like.
2: This is about our friend and Talking Birds Ambassador Scott Bauman up in Waupun, Wisconsin. He sent us a note that says in part... Thought I'd give you an update on my big green birding year, Big B. Scott is birding by bike and on foot. He sends us some good news and some sad news. He says, start with the good. He reached the 100th species mark last Friday, the 13th, with a squadron of 10 white pelicans flying over the city of Wapon. He also broke the 200-mile barrier last week. Since January 1st, he's put 224 miles on his bike, and another 27 miles walking. Now, the bad news Scott says I'm sure you're aware that the upper Midwest got hit with an April blizzard last weekend. We got about eight to nine inches of snow with 45 to 50 mile an hour wind gusts. It started as rain, then hail, which turned into freezing sleet, and finally snow. Areas to the northwest of Appleton had as many as 24 to 30 inches. This storm could not come at a worse time for migrants. There have been reports all over the affected area of the state of birds succumbing to not only the harsh weather conditions, but also vehicle collisions. Seems the birds, especially robins, would gather on or near the roads, I'm guessing because of the heat from the dark surface of the road, then fly up as vehicles pass and get hit. Other species reportedly perishing include bluebirds, thrushes, swallows, yellow-rumped warblers, just to name a few. Our neotropical migrants have so many other hazards to navigate on their way north. Having to deal with Mother Nature and an early spring blizzard is hard to watch. That's the word from Scott Bauman up in Wapon, Wisconsin. Thank you, Scott. Good luck with that Bigby. Now for some congratulations to the grand prize winner, in our make your own swag contest and the winner is wait a minute we need the drum roll first (laughs) bill curtis from baltimore maryland bill sent us a terrific photo by the way of his backpack with our talking birds patch in an honored position right next to a teddy roosevelt patch That was pretty cool, and Bill's entry was subsequently chosen in a drawing from among all entries received, and he wins a Celestron Hummingbird Micro Spotting Scope. Congratulations, Bill. Thanks for sending that great photo, and we hope you see some good birds up close with that Micro Spotting Scope. That there is our mystery bird. This is a preview of our mystery bird contest, which we'll be doing a little bit later on in the show. Here are some clues about our mystery bird. It's a shy, skulking member of the family that also includes robins and bluebirds. Its upper parts and tail are brownish gray. It has a plain gray face with some light streaks, a very faint gray eye ring, and a softly spotted chest. Our bird feeds mostly by foraging on the ground for insects We have a beautiful prize package here, including a Droll Yankees Ruby Sipper Hummingbird Feeder, five pounds of Audubon Park Sunflower Hearts and Chips, and a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. That's a preview of our Mystery Bird Contest coming up uh, in just a, a little bit. Everything is in just a little bit on our show because we're just here for about 30 minutes.
0: Extra. Read all
2: about it. Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page uh, this week. At a museum in Buffalo, New York, the egg of the extinct elephant bird, long thought to be a fake egg, turns out to be a real egg. We'll link you to the story and a photo. The penguin cam captures diving from the point of view of the penguin. Our page offers a link to a video that's been released in celebration of World Penguin Day. And would you like to see some beautiful snowy owl photos? Well, our friend Kim Nagy has taken some, and three of those pictures are gracing our page right now. That's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page. You can also find those first two stories through an online search. Well, instead of a conservation salute this week, we have a little conservation quiz. We'll call it Guess the Ingredient. Here's a hint. This ingredient is an essential part of a very common structural product that's generally regarded as quite harmless and benign. The product is concrete. And, of course, millions of structures all around the world are made from it, no problem. But there is a problem with this ingredient of concrete. The ingredient is... Portland cement, which gets mixed with water and sand or gravel to make concrete. So why is the cement ingredient a problem? Well, because of the way it's made, as pointed out by folks at Columbia University's Earth Institute, cement manufacturing is highly energy and emissions intensive, partly because of the extreme heat required to produce it. Making a ton of cement requires more than four and a half million BTU of energy, equivalent to about 400 pounds of coal, and generates nearly a ton of CO2. Given its high emissions and critical importance to society, cement is an obvious place to look to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. We'll link you to more about this and some possible solutions to the problem on our Talking Birds Facebook page. Meanwhile, we'd like to say thank you, and we're happy to be able to say thanks to more Talking Birds ambassadors signing up this week and helping to spread the word about the show and birds and conservation. Thank you to Rosemary Hitchens from Los Angeles, California. She says she's a new birder and a new listener of Talking Birds and that she enjoys listening to our show. Thank you so much, Rosemary. Thank you to Kimberly H. from Houston, Texas, she enjoys our podcast, she says, and thank you so much, Kimberly, for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. And thanks to Mike P from Erie, Pennsylvania. He said, uh, "Mike, that might, Mike from Erie, Pennsylvania, might sound familiar because he was a Mystery Bird Contest winner uh, just recently here on our show." And he says he would now like to be a Talking Birds ambassador. He also says he'll be leading a couple of birding field trips for the upcoming Festival of the Birds at Presque State Park in Pennsylvania, and he'll be sharing thoughts about our show for the folks there. We hope they're nice thoughts that uh, you'll be sharing. (laughs) We better be good to Mike. He says, I would also love to have a couple of patches to add to my gear. If you could send two or three, my wife will find a good place for them. Thanks again, and thank you, Mike. We'll be sending you those Talking Birds patches A-S-A-P because we want to make sure that we stay on your good side. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join Mike and Kimberly and Rosemary in our Talking Birds Ambassadors program and hand out some of our info cards to your friends and associates to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. It's easy to do and it's easy to sign up for. Here's how to do it. Click on the contact button that you'll find at TalkingBirds.com and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. That's the Become an Ambassador option via the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and there's no G in talking. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike live segment on the topic of Orioles. Yeah, they're back. And speaking of live, We'll make a live visit to the Science Corner, where our own Debbie Bleacher awaits with some fascinating information about glow-in-the-dark puffin bills. Hmm. And up next, a bungee-jumping beauty is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Today's Featured Feathered Friend's very name suggests the beauty of the blue sky and describes its color poetically and perfectly. Cerulean, the cerulean warbler. The male of our species is deep blue above. The female is kind of a blue-green with a white throat and underparts in blue or blue-green streaking down the sides of the breast. It has a dark band across the throat and a black stripe into the eye that creates a blue eye stripe above. The female cerulean warbler sometimes displays an unusual behavior, leaving the nest after sitting for a while in what some call a bungee jump. She drops from the side of the nest with wings folded and free falls a fair distance before opening her wings and taking flight. While the cerulean warbler's beauty is unmistakable, the bird is often hard to see because it nests and forages higher in the canopy than most other warblers. And it's getting harder yet to see for a more disturbing reason. The cerulean warbler is one of the species of highest concern in the eastern United States due to a small total population size and significant declines throughout its range. It's currently being considered for listing under the Endangered Species Act. One way we can help save the Cerulean Warbler is by the coffee we choose to drink. These birds depend on shade coffee plantations during the winter. That traditional shade-grown farming technique is at risk as coffee prices fluctuate and pressure to switch to higher yield sun coffee or other crops intensifies. So help a bird by shade-grown coffee. Meanwhile, the cerulean warbler now has a literary claim to fame. It was used as a plot device in Jonathan Franzen's acclaimed 2010 novel *Freedom*. And yes, Jonathan Franzen is a bird watcher. The cerulean warbler. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show, number 674, the uh, frequent reminder here. We hope you'll visit our website, talkingbirds.com, and then on to our uh, Facebook uh, and Twitter uh, places there, uh, at uh, Birds. Well, we hear that scientists have discovered something unusual about the beaks of a much-loved seabird, the Atlantic puffin. Here to tell us something about that is our own Debbie Bleacher in a live report from the Talkin' Birds science corner come up to the lab and see what's on the slab well good morning debbie
3: good morning ray
2: so what is this discovery about the beaks of atlantic puffins sounds kind of fascinating
3: you might not believe this Mm -hmm. but some markings on the beak of the atlantic puffin Mm -hmm. look fluorescent under uv light don't believe it no (laughs) i I believe it
2: if they yeah
3: this was discovered by ornithologist Jamie Dunning, um, he studies evol- evolutionary history at the University of Nottingham. He was having trouble with a project and he had a bunch of dead bird specimens lying around because, doesn't everybody? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm all out, but yep. you no. Know. Um, and he <laughs> put the specimens under UV light and he found that the beak of the puffin had these fluorescent markings.
2: Wow. So was there a special reason why he thought he might
3: find this? Yeah. Um, Dr. Dunning was also studying a related bird called the crested auklet which happens to have fluorescent beak markings that are visible Mm. under uv light also uh you might not understand this but he was procrastinating i mean Mm. you and i never procrastinate at talking birds world headquarters but you know maybe if we had a dead puffin and a uv light Mm. source we would
2: we're going to start procrastinating next week
3: ah sounds good
2: So we need to have UV light to see these markings. Why can't we see them otherwise?
3: Well, this is really cool. Um, The the human eye has three kinds of color vision cells called cones, Mm. which enable us to see color in daylight down to a short wavelength wavelength that we call violet. Mm. But birds and some other animals have four kinds of cones, which permit them to see even shorter wavelengths, and we call those ultraviolet. So that means they can see colors that we can't. So for our eyes to mimic that kind of vision, we need to use UV light.
2: So what does Dr. Dunning think the function of these fluorescent beak markings might be?
3: Well, he's not sure yet. He's got a couple Mm -hmm. of ideas. Maybe they signal something about mating, or maybe they help chicks find their parents. Uh, but before he can say anything about these live marking, these, these markings, he's got to make sure that they exist on the beaks of live puffins. Mm-hmm. Because so far, he's only seen the mud dead ones, which means that the fluorescence might have something to do with the way the beaks decompose. Huh. So right now, he's putting live puffins under UV light. They're wearing sunglasses. I'm not kidding. You you can really search the internet for images of puffins and sunglasses, and you'll find them.
2: We don't kid around in the science corner. Oh, no. Thank you very much, Debbie.
3: You're welcome. Our own
2: Debbie Bleacher in the Talking Birds science corner. I'm sure we'll have updates about that topic. Meanwhile, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute.
0: Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation.
1: My name is Dylan Bartles and I'm calling from Orange City, Iowa. I became a Talking Birds ambassador because I really value conservation and agriculture and birds and anything that has to do with informing other people about those subjects. I think that by being a Talking Birds ambassador, I can do my part in helping spread the word about the good that birds provide for us.
0: Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, talkin'birds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the become an ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at talkinbirds.com And thanks
2: our mystery bird contest is sponsored by audubon park wild bird food look for audubon park next time you're buying food for your backyard birds if you haven't heard our mystery bird contest before here's how it works we give some clues we play the sound of the bird and we invite you to call in and tell us what you think it is if you have a definitive answer you will probably win our prize pack Uh, if not you might still win by dint of a drawing will do among uh, all the calls we received. So go for it at 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. Here's the sound of our mystery bird. It's a shy, skulking member of the family that also includes robins and bluebirds. Its upper parts and tail are brownish-gray. It has a plain gray face with some light streaks, a very faint gray eye ring, in a softly spotted chest, our bird feeds mostly by foraging on the ground for insects. We have a fabulous prize package for our winner today. The Droll Yankees Ruby Sipper Hummingbird Feeder. Offering a perfect pairing of whimsical fun and practical performance. And it, uh, it, it provides feeding zones for numerous hummingbirds. So that's pretty cool. Plus, five pounds of Audubon Park Sunflower Hearts and Chips. In a download... Your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app that makes learning bird sounds a game. 781 837 4900 is the number. Give us a call on our Mystery Bird Contest. Meanwhile, the topic is Orioles. We'll talk about it with Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. It's spring bird feeding time. Are your feeders ready? Spring migrants are arriving and your backyard birds are hungry for nutritious food for breeding season. And Audubon Park, celebrating 60 years as a family-owned business providing food safety certified products, has the perfect food for the birds in your backyard. Find great spring feeding reminders online at audubonpark.com. That's audubonpark.com. And be sure to look for Audubon Park Wild Bird Food next time you're buying food for your backyard birds. Now, a word from our friends at Birdwatching Magazine.
1: For over a quarter century, Birdwatching
2: Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Whether you enjoy birds in your own backyard or far afield, you'll find information in every issue to help you find, track, identify, and understand birds. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Down to Cape Cod and the Watchers General Store. Uh, Route 6A in Orleans, where Mike O'Connor is holding forth. And good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Greg. Good to hear your voice, kid. Good to hear yours as well. And uh, you may have heard that voice a few minute or so ago saying that uh, it's bird feeding springtime and the birds are coming up here uh, from the tropics. We wanted to ask you if that's really true. And if Baltimore Orioles might be among those uh, birds,
1: yeah, a lot of Orioles are coming up yeah. now, and and, and good few for, for giving a plug for the shade-grown coffee because Orioles are truly one of the birds that benefit from keeping the canopy intact because that's where they spend the, their winter in the mm-hmm. tropics, and they're on, on their way up here now. Some some of you listeners in the southern states probably already have them, but we're, we're due to get them this week because we're finally going to get some warm weather, and they're going to come up, come up mm-hmm. to see us, and we get the, the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, and we got the orchard Orioles and I think the Western the Western, Western visitors get the Bullock's Orioles as well and they're one of the birds that's kind of fun to, to attract to our yards and it's, you know, we've gone through a long, boring winter and now we'd like to see some color and the Orioles will provide that for us for sure like in the old days we'd all put out oranges for the Orioles and they they would come and then they discovered that they'd go to the hummingbird feeders as well so they adapted kind of a bigger sugar water feeder for the Orioles to to drink for that. And it's kind of the same solution that you would use for the hummingbird feeders. And then more recently, people discovered grape jelly was a good alternative. So you've got three choices. You could use sugar water. You could do oranges cut in half. And you could also use uh, grape jelly. But use grape jelly in small dishes, not big dishes, because you don't want to get the sticky jelly on the birds because that's kind of tough for them. And more importantly, do this now. Do it in May, because by the time June rolls around, they're going to the birds will focus on raising their young. They'll be eating insects, and they're probably going to ignore most of what we put out for them. So May is kind of the prime time. It's kind of a two or three, four week window at this, and then they'll they'll get into the insects, and then after the breeding season, they're likely to return. So you really don't don't need to give up on it, but you will have a lag time. So do it do it now. And the other thing is. If you have any yarn in your house or kite string or any string at all, cut it into a short, maybe 12-inch pieces. Put those out on the bushes because when the females arrive, they'll use those to uh, build a nest with. It's kind of fun. They'll come down. Don't make them real long because the birds likely to tangle them up. Hmm. And so just use short pieces, maybe 12, 14 inches, and put those out. Yarn, the color is kind of irrelevant, or a kite string. And caution, here's a little caution though. A lot of people have tarps they have in their yards over their bikes or, or whatever, and the, the, those blue-green plastic tarps they they kind of get uh, frayed at the end. And the Orioles will use those hmm. sometimes to build their nest. But try to discourage that because because of the fiber, they're slippery and the nests tend to fall apart so even after the birds have all built these wonderful nests, they start to fall apart and they kind of lose the nesting season so stick with more yarn and string and jelly and oranges and you'll have a colorful colorful series of birds.
2: Nice, and those are some amazing nests to see, that's for sure Well,
1: right, yeah, Yeah. good luck trying to find them but you can find them in the fall,
2: that's for sure Well, I have some kite string and I don't have a kite so I'm all set with that (laughs)
1: Perfect combination. Thank you, Mike. Talk to you okay, next, week. Talk next week. The Amazon's rainforest is being cut down so fast that by 2030, 55% of it could be completely wiped out. The Earth's forest can't speak up when they need help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit
2: worldwildlife.org. We're back to the Mystery Bird contest, trying to identify this mystery bird, a shy, skulking member of the family that also includes robins and bluebirds. Its upper parts and tail are brownish gray. And it has a plain gray face with some light streaks, a very faint gray eye ring and a softly spotted chest. What might that mystery bird be? Give us a shout and uh, tell us what you think it is. Or take a guess. The number to call is 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. We have a beautiful prize package, a droll Yankees ruby sipper, hummingbird feeder, Audubon Park, Sunflower Hearts and Chips, and a download of the amazing LarkWire app. So those are the prizes, seven eight one eight three seven four nine hundred. And I think we have Ted in Lynn, Massachusetts, kind of up on the north shore of our home state. Good morning, Ted. Hey, good morning, Ray. Good morning. How are you? Say hello to Debbie. She's here with us from the Science <laughs> Corner today. Hi, Debbie. How's it going?
3: Hey, Ted. Great. How about you? <laughs> what do you
2: Fine think? Fine do dandy. <laughs> all right. What do, you, what do you think about our mystery bird, uh, Ted? I think it's a gray-cheeked thrush. Debbie, uh, would you say that is uh, correct? Absolutely. She has this wide-eyed and wide-mouthed look. It must be uh, Must be right. <laughs> Great cheeked thrush is absolutely correct. Nice work, Ted. Well, thank you. If you'll stay on the line, we will uh, arrange to send you those beautiful uh, prizes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Ted. <laughs> That's Ted and Lynn, Massachusetts, correctly identifying the gray-cheeked thrush, which not long ago, as with a lot of birds, it was um, actually thought to be uh, the same species as a more rare thrush, I think, the Bicknell's thrush, but now they've separated them, they have split them into those two different uh, species, the gray-cheeked and the Bicknell's thrush. Well, Debbie, uh, as you found out, the show goes by pretty quickly, so we're kind of out of time for uh, this morning's show.
3: Ah, too bad.
2: (laughs) But We'll be back here uh, again next week. And next week, we'll be talking to some folks from one of the great spring festivals in the country, the Cape May Spring Festival, from that legendary birding place down in Cape May, New Jersey. Also on the, I believe it's the 27th, it's that... uh, Uh, Sunday of the Memorial Day weekend, we'll be uh, up at L.L. Bean at their uh, flagship store there for the L.L. Bean Maine Audubon Burning Festival. And we'll be broadcasting live from the Discovery Center right there at the flagship store. Thanks to Mark Deffield and uh, to you, Debbie Bleacher, and our engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week.
1: Ray Brown's talking
0: Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Or Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. And by Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee.